right guys, welcome to the Real Estate Huddle for episode 11. And today we're gonna talk about how to manage your own rental property, okay? So there's a way, there's a much more, I guess, smooth way to do this, right? Like to hire a property manager and you know pay around 10% of your, your rental income every month. Um, to have that managed and have it done for you, which that is a great route to go. And a lot of people have done that and had a lot of success with it. It's hands-free. They can live their life. Um, but today we're going to talk about like, what are some of the tools that you can use to, um, use, uh, you know, to, to manage your own rental so that you can save on that money. And a lot of people are like on the outside looking in with rental properties thinking, I don't know if I want to be a landlord. I'm not sure if I'm up for that. Um, and so this may give you some of the information that you need to be comfortable with, with thinking about, you know, going about that because wow, are they rewarding? Rental properties are amazing in so many ways, as far as just your, the tax advantages each year. Um, you've got the appreciation that comes with it in a lot of cases, cash flow if you get a great deal. Um, and, and that's something that we've helped a lot of people do. And so that's the key is, is, um, you know, how, how can you do that and what tools can you use? So um, anyone want to want to start us off? With- so the first thing I wrote down is like, first question, mm-hmm. are you handy? Yeah. Do you want to do it? Because half the world probably does not. And that's probably got a factor in your, into your uh, equation out of the gate. Totally. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, obviously you can save a lot if you, if you are able to go in and fix stuff on your own. But um, if you're like me, who I'm not handy at all. Do you know and any handy folk? No, my husband isn't. Is so, yeah, no, he's not at all. Getting him to hang <laughs> curtains is like a mission. Um, but, uh, you know, a resource that you can use is reaching out to your lender, or sorry, excuse me, real estate agent, and seeing what contacts they have. Because a lot of times their partnerships save you a lot of money, a lot of time, and they're reliable sources anyways. So you don't have to, to do it all yourself. Landon Smith sent me. And Kim Larson and Jackson and Chad. <laughs> so, yeah, someone called us today and said, hey, I, I mean, you know, this broke or I need a drywall repair in my, in my rental property. We would absolutely send you our best handyman, you know, free of charge and connect you with those people. So, But in, back in context, if you're going to do it yourself, you kind of have to have those at the ready. So do that up front yep. because you need, you know, it's 11.30 p.m., and they need to, you need them. And I think another option on how to get started, even before you start thinking through, of, okay, what am I going to do when something needs to be repaired is, should I go out and buy an investment property or what other options do I have? And another option is turning your current home into a rental property and then going out and buying a new residence with 3% down. Mm -hmm. So that's one option. And I personally like that option. That's my personal goal in the next year or two. Um, And I already know everything I need to know about my house. I've lived in it a couple years. I know what I can start working on right now to get updated, to get it ready for a rental. And I want to be very cautious on on what I mean by updated. So for example, if I'm not going to be living in this property anymore, I want to make sure that the furnace is working well. I want to make sure the roof looks good. I want to make sure the grading around the property when there's snow or a lot of rain is what it should be. So, you know, two, four, five years down the line, I'm not having issues. So I'm slowly prepping the home to make sure those things are all in order. And then I'll eventually move out and have renters put in. And the best, most expensive cosmetics you can find, right? Yeah. 
no, no. Just kidding. Okay. Now, when you turn it into a rental, like Kim's smart because she pointed out all the things that like could cause you pain down the road, right, with a rental property. But what what you don't want to do is overspend on the cosmetics if you're going to turn it into a rental yep. because you never know how renters are going to take care of your property. So you don't want all that to be. Yeah, so I'm not destroyed. updating cabinets. I'm not painting. I'm not doing any of that. I'm mm-hmm. just making sure that when I'm no longer there seeing it every single day, that the important things are taken care of. Durable and basic. Yep, we, we exactly. About when you're selling in the ROI side of that, and that's very different here, it's like, how do I minimize my risk <clears throat> so I don't get those 11.30 p.m. calls? Mm-hmm. I'd also yeah. say just prioritizing stainless steel appliances and nice countertops. Renters tend to look at that stuff a lot more than some other updates that people think of first. Very pandering, true. Pandering to land in. What color should our counters be? <laughs> well, no, you bring up a good point because I've talked to several property managers that talk about like what is what are the the sticky words, right, for renters that they're looking for. And oftentimes it is like quartz counters. Yep. It's the um, newer flooring, you know, stuff like that. It doesn't have to be super nice. Like I wouldn't go out and spend money on real hardwoods, right? I would put the, the LPV. LPV. Yeah, it's it's the laminate hardwoods that you can find at Home Depot now that are great looking, but they're waterproof, they're durable. Um, you know, that's what you want in a rental property. So that's what we mean by durable, but also like upgraded in style. You know, it's a today's style. And if you need help with that, like we're more than happy to help you with what's in, what's out. Um, you can also look at house.com, H-O-U-Z-Z.com. Type in um, like flooring and then you'll see like all the popular flooring options that are available right now with links to buy it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's a great Andrew's list means Pinterest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's pretty much it. And one of my goals too, when I do eventually turn my current home into a rental is managing it myself. It's going to be a first for me. And I know Landon, you have a bunch of rental properties. So tell us a little bit about how you started when it came to managing it. How did you do your background checks? How did you pick the right tenant? How did you deal with things whenever, you know, it didn't really go as planned? Yeah. Yeah. And first of all, like what you said something earlier that you wanted to convert your home and you've only you've been in it for a few years. Like that's when I love the idea of converting your home into a rental is when you've only been in it for a few years. If you've been in it for like eight or nine years, then you have so much equity in that home that is talk to your CPA, but common knowledge is like you're an owner occupant that's tax free, right? Equity up to $500,000 as a married couple. So you can Google that. Okay. We're not CPAs. You need to talk to a CPA to get that information for sure. That's our disclaimer. But think about that. You've got all that money, right? That equity that you could have, that you could sell that property and then later on go buy a different rental property. Yeah, that's a good point. With with money that's Mm -hmm. tax free. Um, but if you've only owned it for a couple of years, great option. And to answer your question, Kim, so like when I first bought my first rental, um, I bought a home that was actually a townhouse, new construction in Castle Rock. And um, I, it was it was good because I wanted a quality tenant that was going to be not going to cause me a ton of problems, you know. And I was willing to give on cash flow for that uh, and not have as much. And so I had like $200 a month cash flow when I bought that place instead of I could have bought something in a different area, different age home for, you know, six or $800 a month, you know, cash flow. And so you, you figure out what you want, right? First, do you want quality tenant or do you want big cash flow and deal with some challenges? Um, and I, I chose for my first one, I felt more comfortable choosing the lower cash flow, higher quality tenant. And so when I, when I did that, I used, um, uh, turbo tenant, 
which was an awesome software. There's several of them out there, but I liked TurboTenant. Um, it was free for me as a landlord to set up TurboTenant. Um, then they charge you like a $70 marketing fee to put it on like five different platforms. And I think it's HotPads, Rentals.com, Zillow, and a couple others that they post your listing on. And so you get a bunch of traffic just from that, that listing. They do all the background checks for you, and that's all free. Right, the tenant is actually paying for this with their this application is fee. A service that the property manager will sell you the mm -hmm. marketing side of things, yep. which you're breaking down to saying it's not actually that overwhelming. Correct. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it just depends on what your experience is, right? Like, you can have that one bad tenant make one bad choice, and then it's a huge headache. Yeah. So, yeah. the property managers have experience; they're <clears throat> vetted in that, and they know how to to vet people. So, again, a good property manager is worth their weight in gold. I'm not saying that, that you shouldn't do it that way, but if you want to save on that side and try to rent it, manage it yourself, TurboTenant's a great option to, mm -hmm. to look into. And you know the application fee pays for all those services, so the tenants are paying like a $35 application fee or 75 bucks, something like that. it's like 50 that. now. Is it? Yeah. yeah, it may have gone up with inflation, like everything else, like my cheeseburger <laughs> I ate today at Five Guys. It was $12 um, with A1 sauce. It's really good. Um, French fries. <laughs> you didn't bring us any? No French fries. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah. Anyways, different topic. But getting back to the rentals, the other thing that, that I use, and I just had someone call me yesterday and ask me, um, do you have a lease contract that, that we could, that you could provide? And the answer is I don't. But what I used when I did my first rental was um, legaltemplates.net has a, a great site where you can go on, you can get a free 30 day trial. It's normally like 40 bucks a month. At least it was when I first did mine and you can go on there and, and it's just a fill in the blanks. It's like 4.8 uh, stars rated on, on trust pilot and uh, trust advisor or whatever it's called. And they, they're an A plus on the BBB, like really good site. So I, I trusted their, their lease agreement. I thought that was great. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone listening to this needs to do whatever they trust and, and uh, obviously, you know, what, what they feel most comfortable with. But that, that's been good for me and worked really well. LegalTemplates.net. And I just, you know, I got the free trial, did my lease agreement, and then canceled it. So it was free Created for me. Email. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> if, if you need to go, go back on and make a revision or something else, you could just pay for a month or whatever and, and do that. But it's pretty affordable. So the other thing I was asking myself, so that was three things. A, do you, are you handy? Do you want to do this work yourself or can mm -hmm. you find someone to do it? Two, the marketing side of things so that when you turn it over. And the third thing I wrote down was, you know, short-term <coughs> and kind of in between, like <clears throat> up in the mountains, everything's short-term, right? So the, the velocity of the change tends to push you to a property manager because the marketing is that much more important. Mm -hmm. uh, renting out for a year lease, two-year lease, you can take it differently. And then if Kristen was here, she'd talk about kind of the midterm where you find these niche groups. I think she found like uh, traveling, traveling nurses. Traveling nurses and yeah. she has kept this thing full. You get a higher monthly rate premium because of the short-term rental, three months. I yeah. think that's that to me. But it's not a each week turnover because it's not it's, every week, yeah. but it's you know it's every three months sometimes, yep. maybe mm -hmm. six months. 
where you can afford to do the marketing and save that eight or twelve percent every month. I, th I think mm -hmm. that's brilliant, personally. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Yeah. I think midterm <clears throat> furnished finders is what I believe Kristen uses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those can be good. I think if you're doing like a vacation rental or like Airbnb with like a lot of turnover, possibly vacancies, I think that's a lot more advanced and probably something where you want to have a property manager for it. Um, and at that, I think for some people, especially my age, it's definitely advanced. They say, Hey, you know what? I don't own a home. Uh, I am, I don't even know if I can get a home for myself, much less an investment property. Um, so house hacking is also an option. Um, is I've that helped a site or is that a description? No, that is a, a concept. So, uh, I've helped a lot of people do this. Um, I, I just had somebody, um, get a two bed, one bath property rent out your other bedroom to your best friend or your high school buddy or somebody that you know they're paying half two-thirds of your mortgage you know all depends but you have somebody who they're living in your extra room you're able to rent that out that's giving you more income and then you have a lot of options from there you can move out of that primary residence like we were talking about and turn that into a rental buy your next place and there's also options with equity where you can do a cash out refinance, continue to manage that property, and then use that money as a down payment for another property. So I think a lot of people, it's like big to get started in investing in real estate, um, but there's ways where you can start small and, and build up from there. Yeah, definitely. No, that's a good point. That is your thing. But you've never given us such a brilliant house hacking title. <laughs> I didn't come up with that title. But. <laughs> no, I'm in the same boat with my son. Like, I wish we could do that or he was in a position to start what you've done with so many people, well, with at least two of your friends. Just get in and you can defray because they're talking about living three or four guys together. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it will do it. He'll do it. We yeah. just may not do it now. We'll do it in two years yeah and that's something too that i think is changing with the times and with affordability of houses where that is an option to say hey you know what me and my buddies are going to be renting and we're going to be spending all of this money it could be a better option for you to say hey you know what let's go in on this together we'll live here as young professionals two three years then we move out and we both have a rental property and have that asset, you know, moving forward. So I think like multi-generational living and friends living together is definitely something that is happening more and more. Well, it brings in something you brought up a couple of these ago, the, the bank of mom and dad. Like that's yep. just a great investment for your yeah, parents to you, make into a new property. Helping yeah, if you, you want to help your child, the number one way that you can do it is helping them invest in real estate and get their first place. Um, you know, you can get them a car, which is a depreciating asset. I know that's like the common like high school graduation gift. Um, and I'm not saying buy your kid a house when they graduate high school. Um, but if you are able to, that's definitely a great way to give your kid a leg up. And I know, I think polls say like 80% of parents say that they would, you know, be overjoyed to do that for their kid and provide that opportunity. Yeah, that's where so. so much of the equity lives in the baby boomers or the Jaxers, right? Yeah. So 70% of the real estate wealth is in those two age groups. Well, this is something that I read today. It says the bank of mom and dad remains open for business. Financial independence is hard to come by for some young adults with some 60% of parents saying that they provide some financial support for their adult kids. So it's happening, right? Quite a bit. Um, <clears throat> back to like the requirements for managing a rental by yourself. 
understand that if you're doing this by yourself, you are showing the house by yourself, right? So everyone, every tenant, there's there's a two-sided coin to this. It's nice to be able to see the, the tenants in person, you know, and get a feel for, for who they are, you know, so that you can understand who they are a little bit better. Um, and then the other side of it is, uh, you know, you're spending a lot of time um, going and meeting them. Like I probably showed my, my rental, uh, the first one that I rented out, I think I showed it like 12 or 13 times before I, I found the right tenant. So mm. it took a lot of my time. It was a 20 minute drive every time to get there. And so that's just something to consider, you know, if you want to spend that kind of time, if it's worth it just for that monthly savings of about 10% of your rental revenue. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, definitely think through that as well. But, yeah. So and can we discuss this? You, all of your properties, you're self-managing? No. Nope, you, I did initially. I've got so a property manager once that, that manages Because that's the other thing, critical mass yeah. scale. Like at some point. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. At some phone point, calls you need. at 11.30 p.m., you're telling Yeah. Me. I made a few yeah. mistakes, and, and that's why I chose to, to have it managed by a property manager. That's mm-hmm. easy to do, really easy to do when you're doing it by yourself. And I'm happy to share. So. Yeah, and obviously, I can't give legal advice or anything, but if you are just renting out your own property, liability is something that you need to think about and be of concern. Um, So I know a lot of people use an LLC to limit their liability in that way. Um, But if you are, you know, renting out your home just in a sole proprietorship, uh, I would definitely talk to your CPA or or whoever and just make sure that you're protecting yourself liability-wise. I think that's standard practice. You've done that. And it's not a single LLC for all your properties. Each one is unique. It yep. makes tax tax time a little bit more difficult. But Yep. And then the other thing, uh, just stuff people don't think about, there's definitely going to be wackos. You're going to get people who have a crazy criminal history. You're going to get people who have way lower income than the rent. Um, so there is that time spent where you're kind of filtering through that. Um, but it's definitely worth it to get a good tenant in there um, because it's probably a whole nother episode but once you have a tenant in there if you have problems it's really really hard to undo that yeah yeah and i'm like i said i'm happy to share a couple of the mistakes that led me to put all my properties with a property manager um the most of the mistakes that you'll make as a like like managing your own rental come from the goodness and kindness of your heart right because you hire so don't a property manager don't be good well that. you hire a property manager to enforce the rules Right. Mm-hmm. And to be a little more like less emotional, more, you know, cut and dry. About I think to Jackson's point, you, it helps to fray the risk too. Yeah. Let them make the decisions and the qualifications mm-hmm. on who you pick off the very specific things of yep. worthiness of paying all that. Their experience, they do this all the time. So they, they know they can sniff things out probably faster than you can. Um, but one, the, the first mistake that I made was um, I met a great tenant that was interested, filled out an application. I did the the, um, the review on the credit mm-hmm. and background check, and I, I saw that she had an eviction on her record, right? And this eviction happened when uh, I asked her about it. I confronted her and she said, hey, tell me about this. What, what happened here? And she said, oh, yeah, that was when I was 17, and I, I was doing it to help my parents out. And so I signed on a lease with my parents to help them get into their rental property um, because I had income. I had a job. And then, 17? Yeah. And then it was the parents. Ding, 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 ding. So you didn't? Well, no, no. I was, she was 25 now. So okay. this was eight years prior, right? So she had, had uh, co-signed with her parents on a lease at 17, and that's why she had the eviction, because her parents lost income, and then they had to 
they were kicked out of their place, right? So I, I thought of it as, well, she was only 17 when that happened. Like, obviously, she's eight years older now. She's responsible. She has a good credit score now. You know, it just seemed like a good thing to, for me to, to let her go ahead and lease the property. And everything was great for the first six months or so. And then I get a call on like month seven from the neighbor next door who happens to be a property manager calls me and says, uh, did you know that your tenants are like, have like cars in the driveway all the time and that they've, they've broken the garage door cause they're like working on cars and repairing them. And she's moved like her whole family in there. looks like her parents and like three other siblings have all moved into the house with her. Right. And that's on a lease agreement. Usually it says you can't sublet the property or have anyone else move in without prior permission. Right. And so just breaking all kinds of rules here, moving the whole family in. She went dark on me. Like I confronted her, didn't hear from her for, for a month. Right. Until, um, finally I, you know, I decided to hire this next door neighbor who was the property manager and she started managing the property and got basically had the eviction notice put, they had to get out of there and they got out like five days before we actually had to evict them from the property. So that's why she's only had one eviction. Now, no, well, yeah. That yeah. was her lesson. Now it's one still. Like, oh, I was such a rookie when I was 17. Exactly. Now I got it one. So you just never know, right? Like that was a, a tough experience to, to go through. And I wanted to trust her. And I thought that I could at that point. But if someone has an eviction on their record... There's usually a reason for that. Yeah. And and like you said, like with the kindness of your own heart, it's definitely a tough conversation if you are, you know, managing your own property to get on to people to enforce rules. So if you don't like confrontation, that's definitely something where you might want to stay away from managing your own property. Yep. yep. So how does that work, the eviction laws here in Colorado? Um well, they've, they've changed a lot. So like this during was pre-COVID or was this during COVID? This was kind of during it. Yeah. I mean, during COVID, it got way loose. Like there was, right. That made it so that the tenants could just stay in, not pay rent default. Not, yeah, yeah. Default. And, yeah. Not, and, the, and you had no right of eviction if you were the landlord. So like that got scary and that's not normal. I mean, that was, that was a crazy time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with all the forbearance and, you know, different government regulations that were going on back then. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, the, the second um, mistake that I made was, and again. This was before you hired the property manager? Uh, yes. Yeah. So this was a, a different one. So, like, I had um, a great married couple, or not married, I think they were just, you know, they were together. They were they were leasing together and they both had income, right? And then they got into, uh, you know, an argument or whatever and decided to split up. And so this happens quite a bit when you've got dual incomes in a house and then they break up, right? One wants, wants to leave and the other one's stuck with a payment that they can't handle, right? So he approached me about this and, hey, like, we're in a tough spot. Uh, she's leaving the place. I'm going to be taking this on on my own. I don't think I can, you know, handle this whole payment on my own. Can I get out of the lease? Right. And our contract was a two, two year lease and they were on like month 14 of the two year lease. And it just so happened to be like October, which if you're, yeah, yeah, if you're running out of property, like the start of the year or springtime, summertime, that's the best time to find a tenant. Usually there's lots of tenants to choose from. Um, but if you're looking in the fall, late fall, especially, Mine was on the market for uh, two months vacancy, right, without having any tenants. And so it cost me, 
you know, five grand, mm-hmm. um, you know, plus the turnover, right. Of having to start over with everything. And so that was another lesson that I learned, right. Because a property manager probably would have enforced the lease for the full term or done something else. But for me, it was just, it wasn't in my nature to say, no, you have to keep, you have to keep paying. Right. Oh, you still might've chosen to override the property manager to possibly. Yeah. But so those are a couple of lessons I learned. I think it's, it's definitely smart. You know, you can, you can do some good things on your own, but there's, there's some definite benefits to having a property manager. Mm -hmm. And as far as like, I know you were asking about vetting people and doing the background checks. It is, you know, the modern age, you have the person's full name. It's pretty easy to go on social media and get a basic idea of what somebody's like. Um, so that's definitely something where, you know, I, I had somebody where it's like application looked good. They had good credit, no evictions, all that stuff, but, uh, did a little more research on like social media, decided probably wasn't going to be a great tenant. Um, so that's another way that I would just, that's a great idea. Vetting yes, people. I think yeah. that's just second nature now, which wasn't the case even 10 years ago. Yeah. Definitely. Well, hopefully you've learned something today. Hopefully this has been informative for you um, as far as how to manage your own rental property. And uh, hope you've enjoyed listening. We'll see you on episode 12.